Hey everybody, welcome to Navigating Real Estate Turbulence. I'm John Lafferty with Century 21 Town & Country. And I am Tony Abate with Ross Mortgage. This is our Memorial Day episode where we wanna pay tribute to those that have given their life and service to our country. And uh, I got a special guest today. Uh, my colleague and friend, Mike Fisher, is with us today. Hey, you, Tony. So, Welcome, right. Mike. Right. So, uh, Mike, glad to have you here today. And I'm going to boast about you a little bit. So, uh, Mike is a colleague of mine. He's a he's a branch manager with Ross Mortgage as well. But he is a is a longtime advocate of, of VA lending. Uh, he has trained real estate agents and lenders all over the country on how to get VA offers accepted, uh, how VA loans work in general, and uh, just myth-busting in general on how, uh, on how the VA loan process goes. And it's a, uh, it's a great mission. mission. It's, uh, it's something that we need to hear more about uh, because for all the wrong reasons, those VA loans still don't get the, the necessary street cred like they should, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, it's this initiative that we started actually at Ross Mortgage and um, kind of grew into something that was a little bit bigger. Um, so yeah, it's unfortunate today that you oftentimes hear, well, we are only accepting a conventional offer or VA not welcome, yeah. you know, and there's times where it almost feels like discrimination, but I always like to dive as deep as I can into what's really going on and have conversations with veterans and sellers and realtors and compile as much data as I can, mm -hmm. you know, before I just kind of jump to a conclusion. And I think a lot of it just comes down to in the past, there are were some lenders and or some properties or some buyers that just quite didn't perform the way that folks expected, that maybe a seller or a listing agent expected. And unfortunately, one transaction doesn't go well, and then that whole product has a stigma attached to it. So our mission has been, hey, let's do everything we can whenever we see that veteran and we know they're going to use that product, let's make sure that we as industry insiders are as sharp as possible. We know as much as we can possibly know and we do everything to make it go just as smooth as any other transaction so that we can perform, make the sellers happy and get rid of any stigma that might exist in the real estate market. Yeah. Well said, you know, we've, we've all been doing this a long time, you know, and, and in my view, a, a big problem that relates to these is you have lenders that will do one VA loan a year or, or loan officers that does that just does them occasionally. And that's a huge, huge problem because then what happens is that they, they, they don't know the process. They don't know the guidelines. Uh, the deal goes poorly. It takes too long to close. And then the lender or the loan officer isn't held to blame. It's the program. It, it's, the, it's the perception that VA loans are the problem. And, and what a disservice. It's really a shame that that's the way it goes. But, um, you know, John, realtor, you know, it, it's, it would, is it safe to say that, and I think, I think there's two things. It's the selling perspective, but then some realtors out there, as well, I know you don't do this, but there's realtors out there that just, they've got a prejudice. They feel like they're harder. Uh, they're less quality. Is, is that is that safe to say that there's sellers and realtors that have that? Period? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you have sellers out there who maybe had a bad run 15, 20, 30 years ago and absolutely will not consider it. But I think the major problem are the listing agents who 
convince their sellers that you don't want to deal with that in this market, you, especially in this market. You don't want to deal with a VA loan. Um, you know, it's it's more headaches than it's worth. And there's they always find issues and this and that. And it's just not true. Right. It's just not true. I, I, I found VA loans uh, with a lender that knows what they're doing um, are some of the easiest transactions that you can have. Um, and, uh, and I want to have you guys talk about Tidewater a bit because it's the only program that I'm aware of where you can actually contest an appraisal that comes in low. But before we do, I just want to say that I had a discussion with, um, uh, you know, somebody within the VA organization about, that works on the loan side, and they made a point to say to us realtors that, the VA is determined to help that veteran get that home and do just about anything they can because their attitude is that veteran has served their country and we should do everything we can to help them get the home that they want to live in. Um, so from my perspective, that's always in the back of my mind. If, if the house doesn't have major issues that I, I think would you know cause problems, then absolutely VA is always a part of terms that a seller is willing to accept. And I explained to sellers why it should be. Yeah. Mike, I learned from you mm -hmm. that, uh, uh, you know, the interesting stats surrounding the VA loans as far as the performance of the loan and the quality of, mm -hmm. the, of the VA buyers. Talk a little bit about that, because I think there's, there's a huge misperception uh, yeah. about the quality of those transactions. Totally, totally. There's all kinds of directions we could go right now. And you guys already brought up a bunch of interesting points. Like, for example, you know, some lenders only do one VA transaction a year. Well, some realtors only run into one every five years. And maybe they had a bad one 15 years ago. It doesn't mean that the VA never, ever changed. Is your business the same as it was 15 years ago? Sure as heck wasn't. I mean, we have laptops now. Things go quicker. <laughs> People are easier to get a hold of. So, yeah, those old perceptions are, are really tricky. And, and you know, there's a lot of things that go into why the VA loan closes just as smoothly. And I'll talk about the, the veteran statistics in a second, but I think it's important to understand no matter what we talk about when it comes to the veteran, at the end of the day, if you look at the lending side, lenders can actually analyze their own performance. And I tell a lot of realtors and lenders, hey, there's a place where you can actually analyze this publicly, Ellie May Insight Reports. Ellie May uh, runs Encompass and some other lending software, and they do a pretty good job of tracking lender statistics, things like lender turn times and loan performance and, and you know how, how many loans are denied, et cetera, et cetera. And I always find it fascinating when I look at those reports that VA and conventional loans are almost identical side by side. So things like how long it takes the loan to clear to close usually within a day, within hours between a VA and a conventional yeah. loan. And a VA is usually eight hours slower, one day slower. You know, okay, big deal, right? Mm -hmm. um, things like how many loans are uh, actually approved versus denied, almost identical for VA and conventional. Um, foreclosure rates, almost identical for VA and conventional. So from the lending side, when you look at it, there really isn't a difference that you can statistically prove that these actually are worse loans, they go you know, they don't go as smooth. There's no logic behind that data. So, you know, step one, if you want to actually have an intelligent conversation about it as an agent or lender, you got to back up all the way to those statistics. Now, some of the reasons I think those statistics are the way they are is because of what you mentioned, the demographic of the veteran buyer. 
And you can Google a lot of this as well. And there's ways to find these things out. I don't like to do too much public math on camera, but I know that whenever I pull up Michigan or a specific county or a region of the country, and I take a look at the veteran median income as compared to the median income of the general population, generally the veteran borrower makes more money. The median income in a lot of cases is 10, 15, 20% higher. Most of the time when I'm looking at Michigan counties, it's 20, 25, in some cases even 30% higher. So that's in most cases a better buyer, right? And in addition to that, I know most veterans, even without looking at the stats, don't have a huge thing that a lot of today's home buyers have, a college debt because of the GI Bill, right? So a veteran buyer, just from that perspective alone, oftentimes comes in as a well-qualified buyer. Now, is it because they have been trained to follow the mission and have discipline and rise to management positions and move up the ranks? Is it because they start their careers later in life? Or as my friend Eric Ensley likes to say, is it just because they marry well? <laughs> Either way, the veteran borrower on average tends to have a good income. They also tend to have a good credit score, which is something you can see in those LEMA Insight reports. The average VA purchase loan in most parts of the country, most states and counties in many years is coming back in the 700s. Now, again, I don't want to do public math and I'm not going to tell you what it was last quarter, but generally when I'm looking, it's very close to the same number that's coming back on conventional purchase loans. So the more and more that I look at these things and study them, the more I'm inclined to say it's the same borrower that is doing a conventional loan. So there's no reason to blame the veteran, you know, and say they're not a good borrower. They, they maybe, you know, couldn't save any money or put the skin in the game or what have you. So, so step one is to understand the borrower is a good borrower. That's actually the last stat I mentioned there, skin in the game. The average purchase closing veteran from the same stats generally has 17 to 20 some thousand dollars in liquid reserves. Okay. So I often ask the question, two offers came in on your listing and they were identical. One was perhaps conventional and one was VA. If you didn't know anything else, but I told you, hey, my veteran borrower has an extra 30,000 to work with, my conventional borrower has an extra 5,000 to work with, who's more likely to be able to cover an appraisal gap difference? Great point. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. so those are the things that we don't always think about, and I encourage the buyer's agents to dig into those things when they're making that presentation. You know, you bring a point that I think is important to stress at this at this part of the conversation. That is, I, I think it's pretty well known that the, one of the primary benefits of the VA loan is the fact that the veteran enjoys the ability to have a zero down payment with their purchase. And, and sometimes the conclusion is drawn that uh, it's a zero down payment transaction because of financial weakness, which is just 100% not the case. Mm -hmm. that, that's a benefit that that veteran earned in service to the country. And, and then it's a choice that they make. They can make the down payment if they want to, or they can do just like you demonstrate, and that is, I'm just going to keep that as reserve money, rainy day money, because it's prudent, and I have the ability to do so through the loan program. So there shouldn't be a connection between a zero down program and weakness with the pro, with the uh, with the with the buyer, uh, and, and I think you put an interesting spin on it that actually kind of widens the ability to cover an appraisal shortfall if, if that's something that the buyer chooses to do. And some folks have said, well, you know, they sh maybe they should put money down. Would you, Tony, if you could borrow money? 
at today's interest rates, <laughs> right. you know, right. would you rather put your money into your retirement savings account or would you rather pay down your mortgage? For sure. For uh, sure. And, and, you know, in a, in a previous episode, we talked about the fact that that people are making more prudent decisions with where they want their payment to stay at and 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 and, and, and just being more careful than maybe pre-recession. Well, if, if somebody is, is making a zero down payment, but they're staying within that that conservative budget that they that they wanted to stay within. Well, that's still good fiscal decision making. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I would argue in a similar way that you just talked about, if if somebody is closing a transaction and their their piggy bank is now next to empty versus somebody who has the ability and they can make that decision to have some reserve money left over all day long, that's a healthier buyer when they've got those reserves. You can always pay a loan down. You know, but once that money is spent and put into the equity, it's a little tricky to get back out. So, yeah, solid buyer. 100%. For sure. For sure. So, from your perspective, from the real estate side, what would you say really determines the seller's perception on an, uh, an offer if they're comparing a VA versus conventional? I mean, is it, is it, the net to the seller? Is it concerns that the seller would have about the condition of the property? What kind of things normally are coming back to you as a listing agent when you're talking to your sellers about comparing different types of offers? I find that most sellers don't necessarily understand the differences. When you're dealing, I think, more with a, maybe an engineer type brain where numbers are where they live, uh, and maybe it matters more to them that somebody's putting more money down. I think it's incumbent on the listing agent to explain to that seller why, in an instance where you have a VA and a conventional, why it doesn't necessarily matter, especially if the home and the property is in good condition. There are red flags to look for, and having been around a long time, I kind of know what those are. So as we walk through the house and walk around the house, I try to look for those things to make a determination if there would be some repairs required or if it doesn't matter who the buyer is, they're going to hit the seller with those repairs. If that's the case, then it it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, But in some instances where there are significant repairs that would probably be required, then maybe in that instance it doesn't make sense to, uh, to have VA as an option. But I will tell you that most of the time, if there's an opportunity to open it up to a VA or FHA buyer, uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you market your home to every buyer out there that's looking to purchase as opposed to a smaller number? Um, I just think it's, 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 in the, it's in the seller's best interest to always have their property offered to more buyers than a smaller pool of them. That's a fantastic point that you made there as a seller is limiting their options uh, when they cut off uh, additional options like VA and FHA financing. And oftentimes VA and FHA are lumped together, which can be a problem in itself because as we said, the VA borrower has a totally different demographic than the FHA borrower, more like a conventional borrower. So the point about sellers making the decision based on appraisal condition is kind of a separate point though. And that's uh, a point that I often find is based on things that may have happened in the past and not necessarily analyzing statistics or understanding the VA loan program. Uh, The VA has something they call minimum property requirements. 
oftentimes people translate that into the VA having an inspector. The VA doesn't have an inspector. There's no VA inspection. There is what they call a pest inspection. But unless your house is covered in hornets, you're you're probably okay (laughs) in the state of Michigan. That's usually a minor component. Uh, But when the appraiser comes to a property to look at it, it is actually an appraiser who's a third party, doesn't work for the VA, doesn't work for the lender, the same type of appraiser that would do any other type of transaction, FHA, conventional, USDA, same exact people, same exact pool of the workforce, and they're just following the VA's what they call minimum property requirements to ascertain whether it fits in the box or not. In general, those requirements are safe, sound, and sanitary is kind of what they say when you, when you go to these lender conferences and talk to the VA as you referenced earlier. So, you know, if a property is safe, sound, and sanitary, it should fit in the box. And yes, there's a couple checklist items that come up fairly frequently, things like rails on a staircase or chipping paint on older houses. Um, those kind of things are, are things that I guess you could call them red flags, but most of the time they're not major issues. Uh, I'm always kind of stunned when I hear people talking to me about the VA having a challenge on a property and I take a look at it and the property is like five years old. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? The only thing that could possibly come up on something like that is, well, maybe they didn't have some some rails or something like that. But um, Let me jump in on that. Yeah, go ahead. Let's put some perspective. If the worst thing that happens is a railing needs to be put up on a staircase, not exactly a deal killer. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's the other part that I feel uh, agents don't understand and lenders don't understand is a huge misperception in the marketplace is that as you had mentioned, the VA wants to help the veteran get into the home, and they've created processes and protocols to allow the veteran to work through these issues. I feel like most lenders and agents aren't even aware of them and don't even talk about them. When it comes to the condition of a property, the VA actually allows the lender and the veteran to push back on a property condition and try to get a waiver for that condition. And you know, in some cases you can say, hey, this is something that is impeding the veteran. We don't feel like it's a safe, sound, and sanitary issue. We'd like to waive this particular condition. I don't think very many lenders know that you can even try to do that. You can try to override the appraiser and go directly to the VA. Most realtors don't know that either, but the realtor could even be the one making the phone call on that, believe it or not. Interesting. In addition, the VA allows the lender to talk to uh, all parties along with the veteran and potentially do what they call escrow for repair. How do I know this? Because I just closed one like this last week with one of the agents that you work with. That we He actually accepted the offer because he knew you, Tony. Oh, okay, and he, he knew you, he knew us, and he knew the classes we were teaching. And he said, you know, I'm confident you guys can work through it. What happened on that particular property was a fairly newer property, 10, 15 year old, years old, but there was some chipping paint. And that's one of the things that, you know, Sometimes people will say, oh my gosh, pump your brakes, stop. We can never do VA because this is chipping paint. This is terrible. This is horrible. Oh my gosh, this house is going to be condemned. <laughs> no, not the case at all. And I, I sound like I'm exaggerating, but to me, it doesn't feel like I am. It feels like that's how angry and frustrated the, the agents and sellers can get over this stuff. So sure enough, the house comes back and there's some, some minor paint issues, minor in my opinion. And we tried to do the waiver with the VA. The VA said, oh, man, this is really not the time of year, and, and these things can probably be painted, and you guys really should get it done. Okay, well, the lender can do escrow. So I go back to Ross Management, and I say, here, here's some bids. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. The seller really is pushing back on this paint and saying, oh, we should have gone conventional. And, you know, this is crazy and all that kind of stuff. Let's allow this veteran to put the cost of the repair times 50%, 150%, 
into a holding account. Let's let him paint the week after he closes and let's go ahead and close the transaction. And that's exactly what happened. Right. Yes, the veteran had to put a little over $1,000 in a holding account for some paint, but they were able to do the work themselves, work around any uh, misgivings that the seller might have had and close that transaction smoothly. The challenge in that kind of transaction is that many lenders would not have tried to call the VA and understand how it worked on the back end with their processing team and operations team. Many loan officers would not have known to even ask, and many realtors would not have known to, to push or call the VA for direction on it. The reality is that in that case, the VA was super, 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 super helpful replied to me and our lending team within an hour on almost every question that we had. So, you know, just like you were inferring earlier, the VA really wants to help the veteran. So it just makes me sad when I hear people blame the VA for chipping paint. Mm -hmm. When I know the opposite, hopefully in this little story I, that I've, I've given you here, is actually the truth. They give us every possible option to work through it. Can I ask a question um, from a, a real, realtor perspective? Are there times when it's not the VA, it's the lender's own guidelines that are causing the deal to go south with a, with a VA loan? hundred <laughs> percent. It's funny that you asked that question because I was gonna go down that path and I said, oh, I've already talked too much. <laughs> yes, lenders can make up what they call overlays or their own guidelines. And in general, the VA handbook is the smallest handbook of any lending program. FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they have thousand page manuals. And there's a lot of real specific instances, like if X happens and Y can't happen, this is black, this is white. The VA actually allows the lender to make more decisions. They're a little bit more gray. And they say things like, well, if you document it, it's your decision, you can go ahead and help the veteran get into a home. The problem is that in today's world, we've kind of lost track of that kind of thinking and lending where the underwriters actually could make a prudent decision, the underwriters like to look at the computer and see a yes or a no, unfortunately. And that's just the way the world has been built for a lot of other loan programs. So a lot of lenders don't like that, and they like to draw hard stops and say, well, since there isn't any specific direction in the handbook, we're just gonna follow FHA, or we're gonna follow conventional Fannie Mae. We're just gonna make our own rules, and we're gonna say that that's okay. The reality is the lender could have done that without any problem, it was their own decision to make. Unfortunately, it's the lender's money. The lender has the gold. The lender can make the rules. So even though the VA allows it, the VA will guarantee the loan. The VA says, go forth, son, be profitable. The lender says, well, we think this is risky. We don't like this because they just don't know. They haven't spent enough time getting to know the VA program and or sending their staff to VA lending councils or having them interact or call the VA. So it goes back to one of the points that Tony made, you know, working with lenders that really know what they're doing on the VA product and actually do a lot of VA loans as, as VA practitioners is kind of important because if it's a, a one-off transaction for the lo uh, loan officer or the company, that's a, that can be a big problem. I do get a lot of phone calls from other realtors and loan officers that are having challenges with transactions that we are able to do. The first thing I try to do is actually walk them through how to do it themselves. And in many cases, the opposition to getting it to the finish line is so bad that they end up just saying, you guys take it over. Because it's something that is so new to them because they haven't decided to go down that path of specializing and really being good at VA lending. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. That, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. You know, under, loan underwriting in general has morphed into 
more validating than decision making. Uh, and, and you teed it up perfectly. VA allows that lender to be the decision maker, uh, but not all lenders are real comfortable in that role. And I'm glad you brought up the VA handbook uh, that, that we all kind of live by within you know, closing VA loans. Because the whole, uh, if you read through it, all the guidelines are geared towards uh, if you have to decline a loan, you're declining a loan because approving the loan would be, uh, be, be a negative for the veteran. In other words, don't approve this loan because you're gonna put the veteran in a worse situation than they are right now, which uh, on the surface, it makes perfect sense. But that, that's really kind of the tone uh, that the VA handbook takes. And it's kind of cool that they look at it from that perspective. I, I got think. a fun story on that if you'd like to hear yeah, it, Tony. Yeah. So we have a newer loan officer from North Carolina on our team that you know was doing a lot of VA loans. And at one point she was kind of, I guess we'd say maybe a mentee working with me directly because I do train loan officers on the side as a, as you know, in my free time. Right. Um, <laughs> one day she was asking me some questions and I knew the answers to these questions, but I kind of wanted to teach her how to think the way the VA would want a, a loan officer in a company to think. And so I said, Hey, why don't you go search chapter four in the VA 26, seven and see what you find there. I'm on the road. I'll circle back with you later, but specifically look for this item related to income. She came back to me like an hour later. She's like, I hate you. <laughs> and I said, why? She goes, cause it's not there. I said, you're right. It's not there. I'm like, so what does that mean? She goes, well, if it's not there, that means we can do it. And I said, yes, absolutely. You've just learned a very important lesson as a lender. If it doesn't say you can't do it in the VA handbook, you absolutely can do it. That's where a lot of lenders run into a challenge with understanding how to do a VA loan. They think because something is there that they're missing it. They're not missing it. They, they are totally allowed to do it. Yeah, yeah. So the VA is more about telling you what you can't do and what parameters you, you can use versus telling you what to do. It, it's a genius approach that on a lot of levels, I wish the other categories of lending would adopt, you know, and, and their track record bears out the fact that that's not a bad approach. Their default rate is pretty darn low relative to other loans. And so it's not like they're taking this outlier uh, approach to, to handling under, underwriting decisions. So this know? actually brings up what is, I think, a really critical point. And I want to talk about it at some point today, and I think this is the perfect time. And this is, I think, one of the problems with the perception in the real estate market that we already identified was lenders not being able to close VA loans smoothly and then pushing that misperception, you know, in the local marketplaces that these loans are, are bad. The problem is when the lender doesn't understand what their company or investors or team can perform and they take a lending guideline book that is a little gray and they start to just make up the rules themselves without getting their team involved or understanding what their team can pull off. That's when they get in trouble. That's when they start seeing like last minute loan denials. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they end up blaming the VA, as, as you had referenced earlier, as opposed to blaming themselves and their own team for not getting an early commitment and saying like, hey, I think the VA allows this. Let me double check with my team to make sure that we are comfortable with it. That's one thing I try to do really hard with everybody at the Ross team is ensure that, you know, yes, we're as VA friendly as possible, but just because we get a transaction that we think the VA will allow, doesn't 100% mean that those folks helping us cut the money on the back end will agree every single time. So let's yeah. double check, make sure that yes, this truly fits in the box enough to, to get it funded. Perfect example would be 
the VA in their handbook doesn't specifically give a minimum credit score. Now, does that mean you can have any credit score under the sun and get a VA loan from any lender? Absolutely not. Most lenders, he who has the gold, end up putting a line somewhere and saying, hey, this is our line, this is our line, this is our line. And just to throw something out there, a lot of lenders draw that line at 580, 600, 620, 640, 660, somewhere in that range. The reality is, when the lender does that loan, they're still trying to securitize it. They're trying to work with Ginnie Mae. They're trying to work with other investors, you know, big banks, Chase, whatever, to secure those VA loans. Well, if that big money investor says, hey, we don't care what the VA says. We are not doing below 600 at this particular season right now, at this time in life, in 2021. It doesn't matter what the VA says. You're not going to close that loan. So the loan officer themselves has to know what might be overlays or, or in a essence, their own company's rules on top of what the VA says they can do. So in my opinion, that's one of the biggest problems is the lender not knowing what they can actually do or perform. And they try to take that flexibility that the VA allows them and they push it too far. And they say, oh, I got, this is a great product. I'm gonna help every veteran, which is noble. Mm -hmm. But they push it so far that they forgot you gotta have the money source aligned with the intent of the VA to help every veteran. So it's, you have to be really complete as a lender to go out there and make these kind of promises. And I truly believe that's where a lot of these misperceptions come from. It's not 100% the VA or the appraisal or what have you, it's lenders stretching a little too far. Yeah, that's a great point. And to kind of put a button on, on that, you know, when, when, we're, when we're offering loan programs to all borrowers, you know, what do we wanna do? We wanna offer them with the best terms that we can and uh, lowest rate, you know, lowest cost, whatever the case may be. And so, like Mike, what you're talking about when we have these, these sources of money that purchase these loans on the tail end, um, the ones that offer the most attractive rates are gonna be the ones that say, look, we're, we're gonna give you these great terms on this loan, but you know what? We really don't wanna talk about anything below this sort of a credit score. That's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because the, the borrowers that can meet that threshold are going to get more attractive terms. So there, there's some there's some method to the madness, but point well taken. You know, you can kind of you, you can kind of get lost in the fog where the real log jam is, and it's not it's typically not VA. It, it's the money source uh, that that sometimes gets in the way. Um, John, you brought up Tidewater, and what a, what a cool topic when it comes to VA loans. And um, it's really interesting in this day and age uh, that no matter how long we're all doing this, you don't have to go too far, uh, even within our mutual industries, to get somebody to say, well, what are you talking about? Never heard of Tidewater before, but it is probably one of the, the coolest, coolest appraisal features uh, tied to VA that could be had. Now back up a step. You brought up something important, Mike. You know, there, there is perception out there, I think, that, that the methodology that VA appraisers use to arrive at a value is different than other appraisals, and that is categorically not true, right? I mean, the recipe to come up with the value, it's the same. The you know, comp that, radius, exactly what they're yeah. supposed to be selecting for mm -hmm. comparable homes, how they adjust mm -hmm. line items is identical. identical. Actually, the agencies worked together to come up with universal standards. Yeah. So it, it, it's no secret. Once that appraisal goes to print, getting it to change is, you might as well be moving mountains or performing miracles. It's really tough. Oh, 
man. Don't it rarely happens. Don't get me started. Right? It, it, it just rarely, rarely happens. Well, because yeah. you're actually asking the person who just submitted the appraisal to you to go back and change what they just submitted. The chances of that happening are between Slim and Numb, and yeah. Slim's out of town. Hey, Tony, you're a 30-year <laughs> professional, and I know you know what you're doing, but yeah. i got to tell you, you're wrong. Yeah, you, you made like, a mistake. You think about yeah. that. Yeah. And, is, and yeah. put your correction in writing for us, right. too. Yeah, it's, it's huge. But you know, now comes Tidewater. Which is, which is such a cool feature later in, in the VA. And, and Mike, I'll let you tee it up. I want you to kind sure. of give us an explanation as sure. to what all that means. I like to think about that uh, from the perspective of other loan products and just the market in general and the, product of, or the concept of influence, if you will. Um, on other loan products, in general, you're not supposed to influence the appraiser. We've kind of made that a bad word in the industry, something called home value code of conduct and you know, some of the things that happened during and after the mortgage meltdown put procedures and rules in place that said like, hey, you're not really supposed to tell the appraiser how to do their job or what the house is supposed to appraise for, okay? Now, the VA is a little different there. They said, yeah, we agree with that 100%, but there's a point in the transaction where it is relevant to help that appraiser do their job. Like, you had spent time figuring out how this house was evaluated and priced now the appraiser is is struggling to get that value. Let's give them an opportunity to talk to all the parties and figure out before we you know put it in writing, as if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give everybody an opportunity to to throw their hat in the ring and talk about it. And that's exactly what I feel like Tidewater is. It's a notice on a purchase that the property, as it stands, from the appraiser's opinion, is not going to appraise at the purchase price. So the appraiser, per VA guidelines, has to give you notice. Now, when I say you, it's actually whoever the lender put as the point of contact on the order. So sometimes that gets messed up by lenders who don't know how to, you know, maybe do VA loans, right? So it goes to info at lender.com or desk assistant at Remax or century21.com or what have you. And all of a sudden, nobody gets the info. So step one, let's get that part right. But let's say that the notice comes out and ultimately, you know, we're all staring at it going, oh, what do we do now? Like you said, oh, it's Tidewater. It sounds terrible. Well, slow down a little bit and say, okay, this is a good thing. Unlike other appraisals, I now have a chance to at least explain to the appraiser why I think they might be wrong and how we came to value. So I'm gonna look at the sales that I considered when I was pricing the home as a listing agent, and I'm gonna look at the features as, you know, as I see them and perhaps compare them to some of the features of the other houses that I used, and I'm gonna say, hey, Appraiser, we're coming back to you. This is how we came up with the, with the price and the value before you put that value in writing. So that's, that's kind of what Tidewater is. You have two days as an agent and lender to get back to that appraiser with all your thoughts and logic as to how you feel that the price is relevant and it should be valued at that price. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cool There's feature. a second thing I want to talk about too. If you guys, do I have anything to add to that, to the Tidewater? I think that kind of puts a button on exactly what Tidewater is, yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. So the second piece that a lot of agents and lenders really don't take advantage of is a second process called reconsideration of value. To me, this is super cool because the VA actually allows you to override the appraiser and say like, hey, Tony, I know that you're a 30-year appraiser. I know you're a good guy, but we don't care where the VA. We're going to issue our own appraised value, Okay. This is the only product that I'm aware of that is government-backed and not you know, just a bank product, government-backed product that allows you to completely go over the appraiser's head without any input from them. The challenge on a reconsideration of value 
is a similar challenge to Tidewater in that you have to organize your thoughts, you have to explain the comparables, and you have to explain any adjustments that you are making. Then you have to go back to your team. You have somebody on your team called a staff appraisal reviewer, a SAR, which is basically a high up underwriter that gets to sign off on appraisals, a SAR. Your SAR, your staff appraisal reviewer underwriter person, has to go ahead and submit that to the VA and say like, hey, we think we're gonna go ahead and try to go down this path. Now the VA oftentimes will allow it to come from the lender, agent, or LO as well, but I've always felt it, it makes a little more sense coming from the SAR. Mm -hmm. So don't call me out on camera too much because <laughs> sometimes they change their process. But ultimately, the SAR goes back to the VA and says, hey, we got some new data, we'd like to try a reconsideration of value. Now the VA has their own staff appraisal reviewer, their own SAR that works at the VA outside of the lending institution. They take all that data, they analyze it, and pre-COVID, they had a little bit more room. They, you know, they, they had 10%, 15%, 15 grand. The numbers changed from year to year. Recently, the numbers have changed a little bit. It's more like a 7.5% kind of adjustment uh, that they can potentially do. It, it, again, it varies a little bit from time to time. I don't want to put it too much on camera, but the VA can actually go back and change that value and come back to you and say, yes, we've considered your reconsideration and we think this value is higher. Now, the biggest problem that I see with this process is lack of education. Most realtors have never heard of it. Most lenders have no clue how to do it. Most lenders and realtors have never even tried it. And they automatically jump to the conclusion that it's gotta be impossible because it just sounds new and difficult and different and slow. The reality is most reconsiderations of value on purchases that were submitted last year turn in five to eight business days. Eight okay. sounds like a lot, but the average was somewhere around five to six in most parts of the country. The biggest challenge was getting the lenders to actually turn them in. And most of the time, the lenders and agents turned them in so close to the end of the transaction that, of course, the VA got blamed for being slow. Um, now, the other piece that goes along with that, when we talk to the VA at these lending conferences about how many people actually try to do reconsiderations of value, in most quarters and most years, the stats thing that we keep talking about, the number is less than 1%. Wow. So I'm not even talking about how many appraisals yeah. come in low. That's, that's a totally different topic that we could talk about tracking, and it's actually pretty similar to conventional VA as far as I can tell. Um, but when an appraisal comes in low, you have this extra tool. How many times does the lending community and realtor community use it? it's most of the time close to a quarter of, of a 1%. Wow. Yeah, wow. so you know, if we do 200 and some transactions at Ross and five of them come in low and we do zero reconsiderations of value, we don't even try, then we would just contribute to that nationwide perception that, oh, there's nothing we can do about it, which is far from the truth. Now, I know with the education that we've done at Ross, we submit a much larger percentage of reconsiderations of value than, than any other lender I know in the area. Mm -hmm. um, I'm constantly working with the folks on my team. But if they come to me and say like, hey, Fish, I got this brand new construction and the house next door is completely identical and just closed at 320 and there's absolutely nothing wrong with mine and the price is 340, I'm gonna tell them you can't submit that. It's not gonna go anywhere, it's yeah. pointless. Mm -hmm. um, but if they come to me and say, hey, this one next door is 340, but it included sod, it had you know a better finished driveway, and the fireplace was nicer, but it still came in at 320. Absolutely, we're gonna submit that all day sure. long. Mm -hmm. And 
It's not what a lot of lenders or realtors would think, oh, we just found new comps. No, we didn't. We didn't find new comps. We took a comp that was on the existing report and we said, whoa, you didn't dive deep enough into this one comp. This is the most relevant comp. And this comp is sure as heck not as nice as this other comp because this comp has twenty to $30,000 more stuff on it. So we feel this comp is right. Go straight yeah. to the VA, go over the appraiser's head. VA allows that all day long. Question about that. Uh, so we know in a normal appraisal, um, when the appraiser does his job and does the appraisal and submits it, a comp that closes the next day that may justify value, can't use it. Sorry, it's as of that, it's as of that day. Now with the VA reconsideration of value, same rule, you got a comp that closes after that appraisal is submitted, can't use it, or can you actually submit it uh, during the reconsideration of value? You've got similar rules across all the products okay. when it comes down to that stuff. You'd actually have to have uh, the appraiser go back out to the property and find a way to finagle that. Now, is it possible to finagle a second VA appraisal? The answer on that is maybe. I'm, I don't want to get into that again on camera. Um, that involves a phone call to the regional loan center. You have to talk to what they call the construction and valuation department, and you have to explain your logic and ask if they would allow you to do something like that. Um, that, that one's not, that one's more of a behind the scenes call and explain why you, you think you're right. But as you mentioned earlier, I will 100% agree with you and put this back on camera. The VA wants to help the veteran. They will try to work with you if it makes sense in their opinion to allow you to, to do some of these things we talked about. Yeah. So in a situation like that, you, you'd need more than just, hey, our appraisal came in low. Yes. Uh, you, you'd, need to have, you'd need to have some, some meaningful data behind that because all day long, the VA can say, we're not helping this veteran by over leveraging this property for Correct. them. And all the data suggests that we are if we push that value to a higher point. So I hear what you're saying about the, the data, the comps, that that's a sticky one for, for all of them. And I know it has to do with the date of the sale, mm -hmm. the date of the appraisal. And, and, uh, but it's, 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 it, it's, it's an imperfect process, I guess, is what I would say when it comes to, to that sort of thing. Yeah, the best thing to do on that one, Tony, mm -hmm. is for the realtors and the loan officers to kind of be aware. Like, hey, there's this comp closing, and we're pretty sure this thing is closing any day. Yeah, this is the tight? one. And we're pretty yeah. sure it's going to be tight, and we yeah. kind of need this one. Let's hang Let's two or three days yeah. to order this appraiser. Let's at least tell this appraiser not to go to the property quite yet. Mm -hmm. Let's do some research on when that other deal on this, you know, this yeah. property is closing. Right. happens a lot on new construction, I'm seeing. Yep. Yeah. And the same kind of logic, because if you, if you use that strategy after it's gone to print, it's not going to go somewhere. Yep. But if you, if you tap the brakes for a week with the hope that it's going to close, uh, then, then different strategy altogether. So. What are current VA loan limits? Current VA loan limits? That's, that's a question. great question. You want to take that one, Tony? Or I, I can talk about that all day. There, there isn't. There isn't a VA loan limit. You, you run into a couple thresholds, and I hope I don't stub my toe on this, but VA doesn't set a loan limit. So you have, you have calculations tied to the loan guarantee uh, that, that, that VA will, will allow for 100% financing, um, but there isn't, there isn't a pre-established limit as to the size of the loan that a, that a veteran can get. Um, the challenge you're going to run into here is finding is the, the lender. Bank, yeah, the, he the who lender. holds the gold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks are going to draw their line in the sand at one million, one and a half million, two, two and a half million. Haven't heard of a lot of folks in America doing five million zero down. I have heard of <laughs> zero people so yeah. far. I've heard of a couple people pulling off two and a half. I've heard of us at Ross doing one and a half. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that was something that changed in the VA process. So, you know, not, not grandpa or grandma's VA loan. This is today's day and age. A blue water bill, 
passed a couple years ago some additional benefits for Vietnam veterans that hadn't been uh, on land, had been on the water, the blue water, if you will, but still had some of the lingering problems from chemicals that had been on the ships, et cetera. So there was uh, part of that bill also included additional home buying benefits for veterans. And one of those uh, benefits was reduction or elimination of the loan limit. Now, the caveat to that is that if a veteran has used their VA entitlement in the past and has not completely restored it to kind of clear any old loans off of the tab, if you will, they have to go back to the old way of calculating loan limits. So if somebody tells me like, hey, I have a $200,000 VA home loan that I converted that property to a rental property after I owned it for two years, now I'm gonna buy a new primary, I heard that there's no VA loan limit. In that case, it's not true. There would be a limit for the second time use of that entitlement that had not been freed up. In a case like that, it goes back to standard loan limits at the time of recording right now, roughly 548. So if they'd already used 200, 548 was the max, 348's probably the max they could do it zero down. They could even exceed that if they wanted to, but then they'd have to have a down payment. Down payment. Like if they exceeded that by 100, they'd need 25% guarantee, 25 grand. So having a lender that's good at calculations on those kind of things is important, and not just randomly saying like, yeah, there's no loan limit, buy whatever you want. Yes, with an asterisk. Yes, if you haven't used your entitlement previously or have it tied up, and or if you, of course, qualify at those higher loan sizes with standard qualification, credit income, et cetera. So, yeah. so a veteran can actually use a VA loan more than once? Absolutely. And, and more than one at a time as well. Yeah, more than one at a time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Comes down to understanding how the entitlement calculation works. A veteran will get something called a certificate of eligibility. We oftentimes call that the golden ticket to getting a VA home loan because you sure can't close one without one of those. Um, the VA will say, we will back this loan. We will guarantee it. We will give you a percentage of entitlement on the loan, which equates to lender coverage in the case of foreclosure loss. VA guarantees 25% max. So the $100,000 VA loan, VA is guaranteeing that lender against $25,000. So that limit on a million dollar loan, all the way up to a quarter million dollar loan loss. Now the lender still, no matter what happens, they wanna have that 25% coverage in place. So if the veteran had used a VA home loan in the past, like I said, maybe bought a rental property or bought a property and God forbid foreclosed or short sold it, either way, that portion of what the VA promised them is used, is, is gone for a moment, if you will. So they can't use that again on another property. But if they want to retain that property and buy a new primary, they can only buy a primary, they've still got a checkbook, if you will, of entitlement left. So like we said, if they've used anything, the VA allows them to go all the way up to 548. So if they've used roughly $200,000 worth, they have roughly 348 left. That's, that's how it works. Okay. Yep. But of course, you got to qualify with the payments and calculate both properties and do the standard things that we would have to do as a lender. Um, but yeah, we get that all the time. I sometimes see veterans who are selling one house saying, oh, I was just told I couldn't use it again. Absolutely not the case. You could use it. In the past, you might have been told the limit was 400000 because the loan limits were what they were. But guess what? If you sold that house and you restored that entitlement then you can go out and buy whatever the heck you want. You could go to 600 now because you've completely reset the clock on how much was there. 
that actually relates to the story that I told you guys earlier about the escrow. Mm. There was two different properties on that veteran's certificate of eligibility. We helped him restore both of them. He'd probably talked to 10 lenders over the last 10 years, and not one of them knew how to go back and track down the house he had owned many years ago in Georgia and actually restore that entitlement. It was critical for me to do it to allow him to buy what he needed to buy. So we had to track down some realtors and title companies to show that that house had really sold, wow, yeah. which wasn't too hard. Mm -hmm. But he talked to all these lenders and realtors and not one person had seen or thought about that. They just kind of told him, no, nah, you should go conventional. No, nah, you should do this. No, nah, you should do that. And I said, why? Let's yeah. go this way. It's a better rate. It's less fees. It makes more sense for you and your family. We'll track down what we need to in Georgia. We'll clear up that entitlement, get you a new certificate of eligibility that shows nothing. Blue water bill, you can buy whatever you want. That's a great story. Yep. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it just goes to show that there's there's just a lot of misinformation out there at all spectrums, you know, realtor community, lending community, within the veterans themselves as to what they can and can't do. And so uh, kudos to you and your mission uh, to keep educating people and, and uh, let, make, make sure that everybody knows that it's such Can I just, throw a small plug out? A, for yeah, absolutely, yeah. If, if you want, uh, search for VA Agent Access on Facebook. It's okay. a community where we're trying to teach agents. VA Agent Access, yep. okay, yep. on Facebook. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead and search that. Well, we've got a veteran-facing one coming soon, but mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have much content in there. But I've got the, the VA Agent Access built out, and you know, for loan officers building this out, I've got a community. Uh, we're calling ourselves the Veteran Lending Council. The product's going to be called Veteran Mortgage Advisor. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can message me. I'm easy to track down. That's great. Always good stuff, Mike. Thanks, yeah. Tony. I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Mike. yeah. You got it. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody. For our Memorial, Memorial Day, Day episode, <laughs> I didn't want to. I almost said Veterans Day. I got to keep my calendar straight. So uh, we always like to uh, talk about the VA program on uh, when, we're, when we're near this holiday, so we can you know pay special tribute to those that have given their life in service to our country. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you.